Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Pollock Shaw is the founder and managing partner at Open Spaces Realty Group, based in Philadelphia. She is a real estate developer and blogger. After starting her family, she decided to quit her 17-year corporate job as an engineer and pursue real estate full-time. In two years, she has built a $2.5 million real estate portfolio and just closed in a nine-unit building. On today's episode, we cover a lot with Pollock, including how do you know a deal is a deal? How to avoid mistakes when working with contractors, assessing where to spend your time and money, and why it's just good business to be socially responsible. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. And you are back here with us on the Real Estate Investor Show, where we are dedicated and focused on helping women you know, grow their wealth, grow their uh, everything about their, their life through this, through this podcast, through our Facebook community. And we're really up to supporting women, live, living the lives they want. And not just living the lives they want, but really living it with other women and helping each other and supporting each other. So that's what we're up to here. And thank you for being back on our show. And we have a phenomenal guest. Hi, Pollock. Thanks for being on our show. Hi, thank you for having me. We're going to jump into her wonderful story here in a moment. Uh, and before we go there, we'll just kind of, you know, ch- see what's going on here in our, our world and our life. So, yeah. so Andressa, what's, what's coming up for you here on this lovely sunny day? You know, as we grow our community, uh, we have more than 500 ladies on our investor Facebook community. So all of you ladies out there that are listening to to us for the first time. We also have a Facebook group where you can come, give support, request support, and get connected with other ladies around the world. Um, but I, a lot of the ladies that are coming, they need to answer a couple of questions before they join in. And I always ask them um, what they're struggling with, what they're looking to get, and a lot of them say that they are overwhelmed and there's a lot of fear involved or they are struggling with certain things. And I get it. And I totally get it. It doesn't matter if you are beginning, if you are in different stages, if you are moving forward, all those challenges will come. And I just wanted to share with you guys um, one thing that I've been working on for the, the past couple of months that I am in a different transition, different types of transitions and taking the business to the next level that Sometimes the the struggles and the challenges are coming to prepare us to have the skills needed for us to deal with the things, the the higher or bigger things that we need to do in the future. I think that the key here is to be aware of those situations. You know, Liz, when you're going through a, a difficult situation, it sucks. Yeah. Right? Sometimes we get angry about it. We get frustrated, overwhelmed, and you can name it. Tons Mm -hmm. of things. But if if we stop and we think, hey, what is in it that will improve myself? And sometimes we can see it. That's why we have our advisory board and go to friends that you like and respect that you can ask them, hey, I'm going through Y and Z what do you see here that I'm not seeing it? And then you kind of put the emotion aside and say, this is what's going on. And this is the small step, one small step that I can take 
to move myself forward. So for all the ladies that are part of our Facebook community, we hear you. We are here to support you. Keep sharing everything that you're going through because we do believe that together we can conquer that. Yeah, no, absolutely, Andres. I love that. You know, I think I heard it. Um, I think I heard it once. I think it was Anthony Robbins. I, I really big fan of his. And he said, you know, if you want better answers, you have to ask yourself better questions. Yeah. So when you're going through these tough situations and everyone gets overwhelmed, I mean, on a daily basis, moment to moment basis, I'm overwhelmed or I'm, I'm scared about something. I mean, that, those are emotions that I experience all the time. I think all of us do, no matter mm-hmm. how experienced you are, or how many years you've been in this business. But the question is, what can you learn from it? And if you ask yourself an empowering question, you will get an empowering answer. But if you don't ask yourself that question and just kind of stay in that fear or that right. overwhelm, you won't move through it, right? And I think that's exactly. what you're saying. So yeah, so that's Instead a great of putting point. Putting yourself as a victim. Oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. The question needs to be different. Absolutely, it really, it really does. So you can move forward and be open to what other people are telling you, and, and put the egg, the ego aside, and just you know move forward, even though if it is just one step. Yeah. Sometimes we get overwhelmed because we want to get all the entire plan, you know, figure it out. But for all the ladies out there, uh, keep sharing, be vulnerable. The more vulnerable we are, better we can, we can be in life. Yep. No, I love that. A great, great, great insight. Um, so Paula, thank you so much again for being on our show and, and sharing your story with the, 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 the wonderful ladies listening to this as well. You know, as we'd like to kind of kick things off, you know, we obviously would love to hear, hear your background and, you know, how you came to this business. But most importantly, there's always something that compels people, right? We don't just wake up one day and want to get into this business. I mean, some people do, but that's an interesting path. <laughs> you know, usually it's a little yeah. more of something. If something right. pulls you in, I mean, and, and it's... It's a complicated business. There's a lot of pieces and moving parts to this business of real estate investing. So for you, what compelled you? What for you really propelled you into this, uh, to this business and into this investing world? Um, so that's a really good question. And, um, you know, if, if, I mean, as a background, I'm a mechanical engineer and I was in corporate for 17 years. And I thought this, this was great. I have a really good paycheck coming in great life. And then my husband and I decided to have kids late in life. And that was the pivotal moment. I, I went up to my boss's office and I said, look, I cannot be traveling all over the world anymore. I never see my kids. Can you give me some flexibility? And that request was not very well received. Okay. So, <laughs> so I quit. And that was my big bet. Why, mo- you know, the why that everybody talks about, the why. That was my why was my kids. And I quit and I decided to pursue real estate uh, full time. So uh, we had been investing on the side. So we had a few uh, investments by then that were passive rentals. Um, but with a single income, the issue with, carrying that forward became seed money. Where do you come up with that 25% down each time with a single income? So um, we had been reading up on bigger pockets about this BRRRR strategy that everybody talks mm-hmm. about, the buy, rehab, rent, refinance strategy. strategy. Mm-hmm. So I took that and really just went with it. That was, that was, that was really the big change that I made in our strategy, strategy once I quit. Um, so now I have a $2.5 uh, 
million dollar uh, real estate portfolio. And, but I feel like I achieved much more than just the net worth. I think the, the, the biggest thing was, um, you know, as women, we still make, is it 80 cents on the dollar in the workplace? But as business owners, we make our own rules and better yet, there's no glass ceiling. So I now blog about the liberty that entrepreneurship provides and how it allows you to take control of your own destiny. And really, truly in the grand scheme of things, it's all about having the freedom to make our own choices. That's what it's all about. And that's why I'm so excited to be here because uh, I'm passionate about helping other women achieve this financial independence. And that's what you guys are all about. So I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, no, we're so excited. There's so many, I think, follow-up questions both on Jess and I have for you uh, around, you know, kind of your path. You know, just to circle back on one quick one, uh, because, you know, the three of us kind of know this term, and I want to make sure the ladies listening c- can understand it as well. So you had mentioned this Burr strategy, and, and I know sure. Brandon Turner kind of coined that term, uh, you know, in bigger pockets. And just to break that down for the ladies, so mm-hmm. the B stands for buy, the R stands for rehab, the other R, and then the rest of the R's, rent, refinance, and then repeat. So in essence, you're buying something under value. You're putting the value into it, something that needs work, something that needs to be updated, renovated, et cetera. And then you're basically uh, you know, buying it at a discount and then being able to obviously rent it once you get it complete, you get your CO or get your whatever that's called in your area. Mm-hmm. And then you're refinancing by pulling that money out because mm-hmm. now you've added all that value and you're doing it again and you're doing it again. Big, big strategy that people will talk about, especially buy and hold. You can do that or you can buy it retail. That's a whole other conversation we're not going to probably go into today. But I just want to make that mention because, and I'll put a link in the show notes because it's a very, it's a strategy that I, we've done a lot of. And, and, and Paula, you know, I'd love to expand that a little bit with you and mm-hmm. your kind of strategy too. So for you, mm-hmm. you know, what, how did you kind of, a, lot of, a big thing women have sometimes talk about is niches and how did they choose their niche and how did they get focused and how do you, because there's so many different things you can do, flipping and this and that. Right. For you, especially as you're quitting your job, right? I mean, that's right. huge. How did you then, you already had some rentals. Was that then an easier path for you guys and saying, okay, let's expand that part since we're already doing that. We know how to do it. You know, I'm just right. curious, how did you then make that pivot of full time? So the, the rentals that we had, um, three rentals when I had quit my job and they were all single family homes, um, that we had bought. Some of them we put a little bit work into, but the first one that we bought was completely turnkey and the single family homes. I found, um, that when I started doing it, I, I used to show, you know, I used to show like homes before and after work on weekends. And I found that the maintenance and, um, the tenants that I was working with, I, I had gotten really comfortable with that. It, it worked for me. It was, uh, I had processes set up and then I was like, all right, I, either I could learn something new and build on that from scratch, or I could just keep going with what I'm already doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in Philadelphia, we have all these row homes, right? That are mostly, they're all two or three bedroom and one bathroom. Um, so they're about 1100 square feet there there's no uh, hoa fees because they're not not condos um and we have complete control over that particular investment so 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 that's why we like that very cool and for the ladies that are just starting and they say 
okay, how do I know that's a deal? Right. So right. I'm curious to hear what are your criteria when you are looking at a, a property that you are looking to apply the birth strategy. What mm -hmm. are your criteria that that you you must see in order to make that a deal? So we try to um, do some. Well, in the beginning, it's a little bit hard to figure out the comps, right? When when you get familiar with a neighborhood it becomes much easier. So the first step I would say is um, pick, you know, I don't know, a half mile radius and just keep, keep on perfecting that neighborhood. Just keep driving around, looking at properties, um, doing your construction budget, uh, analyzing more and more deals. The more, more you get familiar with a particular neighborhood, it's very easy to identify deals when they come on the market. It's hard to do that when you're trying to, also look at a new neighborhood. So that's the first, the key is to really know your, the area that you're working in. Got and it. And then the second thing is um, really understanding construction. When you, you're doing a rehab, you really want to know when you look at photos, get a, a sense of what the range might be for the rehab so that you're not going around looking at a hundred different properties. So then you can narrow them down by the pictures and then go visit the properties based on the numbers. Um, we um, now retain a contractor full time. So it's easier for me to get a construction budget when I go visit a property. Um, and over time, we also get better at those numbers. So I can do a quick five minute walkthrough and figure out, okay, this, these, this is what it's gonna cost me to rehab it. But in the beginning, uh, what I recommend is if you don't have a contractor you trust, uh, I would recommend getting uh, references from people you know and offering to pay the contractor for their time to come visit five properties with you mm -hmm. and get construction numbers and understand why they're putting certain numbers together. And that would help, you know, figuring out whether something is a good deal or not in future. I totally agree with you. And sometimes... I think so funny because we get estimates from contractors and it just has one number, like the total right. number. Right. And I was like, okay, yeah. you gotta break down, hon. You, yeah. yeah, yeah. you gotta tell me where this goes. So I know what's, what's going on. And I think that's so important what you're saying, uh, to pay them to build that relationship so they don't feel that they're wasting their time. Right. And then to really understand, okay, uh, the mechanicals is going to cost this much. Mm -hmm. so, okay. So the other house, which is similar, I already know how much that's going to cost. Exactly. So you can start building your own, you put an average, but you can start, right. you have a very clear idea. That's such a great point. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say it's so important because so many people get frustrated with contractors, right? They finding them. What are you them. talking about? I know, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, come on. Andressa, that and I have no, yeah, we don't know anything about that, but <laughs> we've heard through the grapevine. Now, but you know, you're, you, you made a great point, especially the, you know, communication we've had with you. You, so many people talk about, okay, finding the right contractor and hiring them, but you actually spoke about something different. You said, how do you build a good relationship mm -hmm. with them? And I think sure. that gets overlooked because contractors, unfortunately, have that, you know, the, 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 you know bad rap. People often say it's yeah. the hardest part about this business, not yeah. the money. It's not anything except that part. And I think, yeah. to your point, 
building the relationship. There are good people out there. I do yes. believe that. Even though we've, we've had our share of challenges, there are great contractors out there. It's just a matter of building the relationship and, um, and then going from there. So what have you seen to be in your experience, you know, the biggest mistakes, whether experience or newbies, it doesn't matter, but what have you seen to be the biggest mistakes people make when building the relationship, specifically building the relationship with the contractor? What have you seen to be, you know, mistakes that, that, you know, people make? So um, there are, I think there are two things that are um, really important. The, the first one is as, as somebody who looks at the numbers as an investor, it's hard to really understand what goes into it when it comes to the contractor side. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the things I've seen people do is try to, they, they hire the cheapest option out there. And sometimes what you pay is what you get what's that thing what yep. you get yeah. what you pay for yep so sometimes it's important to understand that the cheapest option is probably not the best option out there um getting references for somebody you're trying to hire um is important because you know other people's experiences matter a lot in this business there's you don't have a uh, co-worker, you can just go and ask this question too, right? So getting right. references is, is really important. Another, another mistake I've seen people make is give contractors too much money upfront. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's not a good idea, but because they're going to gonna ask though, if they're yeah. going to ask, okay. Right. It's right. okay then to ask. It's, it's not okay for you to give. <laughs> right. But it's important at the same time to keep paying them on yes. time. Yes. Because they also have a crew to pay. They also have to pay their bills. It's important to also keep paying them on time. So th- those are uh, a couple of things that, that I think are important. It's, you know, find somebody that's not the cheapest out there, check their references. And a separate thing is, you know, pay them on time, but don't pay too much upfront. Yeah, I, I completely agree because if they know, I always ask them, if yeah. you're going to finish the job tomorrow, give me a heads up so mm-hmm. I can start preparing the payment and you will have that as soon as possible once I walk through and confirm the job was done. Um, a funny thing about the, the cheapest contractor estimate out there is that I don't know you, but my experience has shown that they have a lot of change orders. Mm. And, then, and then at the end of the day, they become be. of one of the most expensive ones right. because they did not include everything. So the scope of work that you provide to them needs to be like, yes, I do include toilets. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's, that's part of the plumbing, toilet. Right. You know, and you might might think, oh, I'm buying a car, four wheels are coming. If you don't put that in, in right. the scope of work, they will consider that you don't need it. So right. I always That's take correct. responsibility for that. And it's an ongoing thing. But right. one point that you're saying about the referrals, you require us to talk to other ladies, to right. ask, to communicate. Right. And I think sometimes we feel that we need to figure it out all by ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's, isn't it so important to just say, hey, I don't know this, I don't know that. What, what do you have somebody? What, what did you do when this happened to you? Right. I think it's just a change of behavior. If, right. 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and when you're, when you're calling references, I, I had this experience this week. You know, we have a handyman, so we, we bought a home, we're renovating it, and, uh, you know, we're using a lot of the folks that we wor- have worked with because we're in the business, but, you know, you want to start building relationships with people in the area that you're moving, obviously. So there's a handyman uh, who seemed very nice. I kind of got off a of Facebook group, but I didn't have any experience with him. I don't know anyone up there, really. So it's kind of like you're, you know, we can start to vet people, but I say, can you give me a couple of references? Like I would, mm-hmm. this was a business transaction. So he yeah. gave me a couple of people and I called one of the people and I was talking to her and she, um, she said, he's a phenomenal painter, but I don't need him to paint. I need him to, to install some toilets and some vanities, okay. you know? So I, it, but she did say, this is what happened. He's willing to do whatever it takes and all the qualities that she said. Now, obviously, I need to make sure he can do what I'm asking him to do, obviously. Right. Um, and I'm pretty confident because he's got uh, a plumber slash electrician that he's going to be working with. So to me, that helps, you know, that, okay, that calms that fear. But more importantly, she gave me qualities about him that mm-hmm. I can trans, you know, transpose, so to speak, to anything we do with him. And I think that's what you want to ask for when you're asking about references. You're trying to hear... Mm-hmm. What have they done in the past? So will they do that for me? Not just can they complete the job? Right. That, exactly. oh, he didn't get it all done, but he, he was willing to come back, uh, you know, the next day, even though he had X, Y, and Z. And um, he was so polite and it, just all the qualities of this person, not just yeah. the, the mechanical, can he do the job? So, right. so just wanted to add that as a point because I'm going through it as we speak. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, uh, our contractor, we, the, the, only rental we bought turnkey was our very first rental. And we found that the the work done was high quality. The finishes were good, but the work itself was very high quality. So we found the contractor that had done the work. And that's the contractor I have been working with for the past four years. And during my first rehab with him, I found out that it was my first time putting a project scope together and I had missed some of the things, right? And you, you, it was a huge, very steep learning curve. So I'd missed a few things. I found out that at the end of the rehab, he touched on everything that I hadn't even put in the scope. And that was the big thing I realized about this particular, con- and everybody's going to have their positive and negative points, but mm-hmm. his strong suit was that he took a lot of pride in his work and he very didn't good. leave anything unfinished when he Detail. finished the job whether I had it on my list or not. Like, like we have um, talked on the Facebook group a few times about like doorknobs and whether their doors are closing or not. And, you know, little outlets and light fixtures and things like that. He took care of all of this. So I decided, okay, this, this is a person I want to work yeah. with. I'm going to build a relationship with him. I'm going to figure out what works best for him and what works for me. And that's how awesome. we, yeah. And one of the things I think, um, Andresa, that, that was your idea, which we have started doing now, is uh, we have a template of the finishes that we use. Okay. And he quotes me the job with everything included. So that was a great idea. That's what we've started doing. Oh, very cool. <laughs> yeah. It helps. <laughs> yeah, it, it made his life easy. He loves it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was speaking this past week uh, at DIG, um, a mm-hmm. uh, real estate um, association. No, association. Like a like a RIA here mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. And I was selling them. I was like, everything that I am doing here, it's just not for myself. I want to make their life easier. Right. So that's why we're implementing this. So when you are thinking about it, ask him, 
Will this make your life easier if I right. do this? Will this make your life easier if I order everything at Home Depot or Lowe's and you just stop to pick it up? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you guys a funny story. So to make things easier for everybody, I do uh, sometimes purchase the materials and they, they go to pick it up. And sometimes they just need to go there and they mm-hmm. send me the, the receipt. Mm-hmm. And I start looking at every single receipt line by line. And sometimes I don't know what that is. So I plug the code on a Lowe's or Home Depot and it shows up. But this one, I knew what it was. It, it was Reese's Pieces. And I was like, what? <laughs> Listen, it's $1.98, okay? It's not a big deal. However, $1.98 times how many houses times 52 weeks in a year it comes down to a lot of Reese's Pieces. And then I was like, unless you're using Reese's Pieces to grout or something, well, maybe, maybe peanut butter became something, you know, that is part of the construction. I'm not paying for that. I'm not paying for your Coke, for your Reese's Pieces. So for the ladies out there, check your receipts. You're going to see funny things. Yeah, and you have to listen to people when they show you who they are, right? That's That's a minor expense but still you you know if they're doing that well what else are they doing maybe that's not aligned with you know where you see it um so you trust is a two-way street you have to be mm -hmm. able to trust them yeah absolutely so for you pollock you know starting with rehabs and rehabbing it and then renting it how did you know i think a a big question that people have especially when they're rehabbing to rent is you know the finish is different than, than rehabbing to flip. And, you know, we would all agree that, that, you know, it's probably different, but how did you assess that? How did you make sure you didn't over-improve, under-improve so that you can really meet the demand of the market you were in? Like, how did you assess that and kind of know how to, how to navigate that? Sure. So, uh, so the way I uh, operate my business, it's a little bit different than some of the rental uh, rehab finish options that people use. So I tend to put in high-end finishes in even uh, in all my rentals. So we put a level, it's level one. It's not, you know, the high expensive granite, but it's level one granite, stainless steel appliances. Um, we put in good light fixtures uh, in, you know, we, we service everything before we come out of the, uh, the rehab, before we're done with the rehab. Um, so we put in high-end finishes uh, because, I feel like tenants take more pride when they're living in a property that's rehabbed well. Um, I find that tenants stay longer. So vacancy is a huge uh, uh, thing that cuts your profits down. And when tenants stay longer, that's just more profitable. And also they take better care of the property. So sometimes uh, property, when I turn properties around to start renting them them to the next tenant, I find that the previous tenants left the house in such great shape because they just took pride living there. So that really impacts the profitability long-term. And I, I also, I can charge a little bit uh, higher rent for that. Right. So and also attract good tenants as well. And attract good tenants. Yes, exactly. So those are, so that's why I, I choose to put in high, higher, fin- higher end finishes. Uh, but again, granite is not that much more anymore than for mica countertops. And that just attracts a better tenant, like Andres just said. Yeah. Very cool. 
Very cool. I just want to talk to you about um, time. We always look at this business, how much time we spend. And I think that the more experience we all get, um, the decisions that we are making is not much more based on the money itself, but how much time that will, will take. And during the questionnaire that we ask you about how do you balance, you have husband, you have kids, a business that you are running, the blog and everything else. And you said that you do a different type of analysis, time versus money. And I wanted to dig dig a little bit deeper on that mm -hmm. because sometimes we're just looking at, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wholesale rehab, rent on the side, <laughs> and also have my license and and sell and 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 and, and. <laughs> wow. wow. And, and the more I've seen more and more, the more that we focus, less time that we spend, more money we make. Absolutely. And I want to talk to you more about it. That's, yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so I always do this um, time versus money analysis. And I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 rule. So the 80-20 rule um, is that, you know, you spend 80%, what is it? 20% of your time doing things that make you 80% of your money. So after I, I read about that, um, it, it just struck a chord with me. I had quit my job really to spend more time with the family, right? So I, I said, all right, I'm going to spend five hours a day working. And the rest of the time I want to spend with my family on personal growth and things like that. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, personal growth is business growth. Oh, it's my gosh. Yes. Day, right? Thank you for, for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, five, <laughs> so five hours a day. So I do this time versus money analysis. If I'm going to spend time getting a GC license, if I'm going to spend time getting a realtor's license, how much money is it really going to make me? Is it worth spending my time on that? Or should I focus my energy on what I'm good at, which is, you know, this buy and hold, building this portfolio, figuring out the next acquisition um, and then, you know, working on the strategy. So that's what I focus on. And that allows me to get better at what I'm doing already and also spend more time with my family and on personal growth. That makes so much sense. And when, we, when you talk about personal growth, I do think that the more you expand your mindset or mm -hmm. things you can see, you start surrounding yourself with people that not like one step ahead of you on the game mm -hmm. because it's not a competition, right. but they, they have a completely different, they get overwhelmed with different types of things. Other things, bigger things. Right. And right. then you say, oh, I, I can't be overwhelmed with 10 rehabs. That person has, I don't know how many, and she or he is overwhelmed with something else. And it's like a rubber band, I always say. You can't go back to the same size that you were before once you expand. Mm. And I, I want to talk to you about that. Do you, did you have mentors, coaches? What did you do to expand your personal growth? Sure. So I have multiple mentors. I mean, I mean, the real estate community is full of people who are, you know, so willing to help other people come up because it's not, like you said, it's not a competition. So 
Yeah, I'm multiple mentors. Um, I was a part of the Jumpstart Germantown program yes. a couple of years ago, um, where you know they're trying to uh, bring this community up through smaller developers and trying to you know trying to bring a change within the community from within itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, there there are a lot of books out there as well. There is um, I try to read. I would say three books a month. I have all of them going on at the same time. <laughs> yes. That's and impressive. No, no, that's good. That's good. I'm not the only like nut person out there. My mom, <laughs> like, how can you read three, four books at the same time? I was like, they all, they're all going on at the same time. Too. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, I was like, it's like a meal today. I want to read this tomorrow. Right. I don't, I want to read something else. Right. Great. Palak, we're good. Okay, we're not nuts. <laughs> You're not nuts. So what are you reading now? Uh, so right now, what am I reading? Uh, I'm reading The Millionaire Next Door. Mm. That's one yes. book. Um, Never Split the Difference. I love that. I was obsessed with that book. <laughs> yes, so that's, <laughs> I've, I've just started that. So there I'm, you go. You're going to love it. Yeah. I love it. And um, what else am I reading? I'm I'm going to um, start reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad again. That's what I'm thinking. That's going to be the third and one. Tell, tell the ladies why you're going to read that again. That book, um, I, you know, you forget sometimes specifics about books, but that's one book that um, I remember finishing that book and uh, feeling invigorated. Like, all right, I'm going to go and conquer the world now. So sometimes you just, you know, read a book again to get that, uh, the, the feeling of motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to share with you guys one, one of my mentors one day, he's, uh, he asked me t- for me to read a book again. And I was like, why? I have so many notes already there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, did you highlight it in yellow? I was like, yeah, I think it's yellow. I don't know. He's like, okay, now this time I want you to get a different color. And you're going to see, you're going to highlight completely different things absolutely. because you didn't even see that because you're in completely different stage. And I was like, so cool. So I I am up to that too. So cool. There you go. I think and grow rich is one for me that I like to reread a lot because that's, that's just something I, I have to read over and over again. Um, Pollock to, to something you just mentioned too. I, I wanted to explore a little bit. Um, you talked about Jumpstart Germantown and you have this very important mission to not only be profitable, obviously we need to be profitable to stay in business, but you also talk a lot about with your, in your blogs and I know your, your posts and things about being socially responsible and that really hit a chord with me and I'm sure with Andressa too, but we kind of, we started our business many moons ago with the same kind of intent, you know, to not just renovate properties and invest, but to actually Mm -hmm help a community, which I think real estate is so amazing to be able to do both because you really can. So for you, what does that look like? You know, and I'm curious to hear a little bit about how do you go about that? Because it's not always easy, but, but I'm curious to hear your, your thought process around that. And, you know, for the, for the ladies listening to this, as they can keep that in their mind as they navigate, you know, their, their real estate um, investments. So as far as my philosophy running this business, right? So we truly believe that um, social impact and profitability should go hand in hand. And I'll give you a couple examples. So the first one is related to our partners. So we work with, we work with a diverse set of team from, you know, realtors, contractors, cleaners, photographers, 
we give preference to diversity. So whether it be gender, race, uh, sexual orientation, nationality, and we make sure that um, all of our partners are paid well. And that's extremely important when it comes to hiring a contractor um, is to make sure he's paying his crew well. So that's, that's, that's one of the things. And I feel like not only is it, it is, not only is it the socially right thing to do, um, but it, you also build a team that's loyal to you. And building uh, businesses together that way builds a community. And I feel like that's a win-win situation. So that's, you know, the first part is related to our partners. And then the second piece is related to our tenants. And so overall, throughout the country, there is an affordable housing shortage. And in Philadelphia, it's definitely true. So I found out that two thirds of landlords don't accept Section 8 vouchers in Philadelphia. And um, so we want to make sure that, you know, we're part of the solution. So I um, started uh, accepting Section 8 vouchers recently. Um, At the same time, we treat our business like a hospitality business. So as I was saying, we put high-end finishes, we put granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, new bath, new kitchen. And we do this even for the Section 8 tenants. And I've also started tracking uh, maintenance requests now. So because I want to make sure uh, I can reduce the amount of time it takes to address these maintenance issues, if there are any. Um, So I want to overall provide a great experience to all my tenants, whether they are, you know, in the the affordable housing sector or or the private sector. Um, And then I find that running my business this way, you think, you know, it's upfront. It seems like lower return on investment. But what I found is that tenant retention is higher. Tenants tend to take care of our properties. And as I was saying, lower vacancy rates and quick turnaround when tenants leave actually make this a very profitable business model as well. So those are, uh, those are some of the things we uh, consider to balance social impact and uh, profitability. That's okay. awesome. That's awesome. You know, and I think your philosophy is is right on and and you're you know you want to just improve the area you want to improve the tenant base you want to like whatever you touch you kind of want to make better and I think that is really you know goes a long way you know and I think um you know when when we started we focus obviously in a urban environment Trenton and we we were like we just want to not just improve a property we want to help too like a a block or you know so I recently started like a like a kind of like an initiative called DeRosa Gives, where when we win on something, we're giving, you know, the money then goes back into the community that we're in somehow, you know. Yeah, I have to flush it out a little bit more. Um, You know, I have some ideas. It's something I'm really passionate about. I just need to kind of get, put some more energy into it. But, you know, I really... um, I'd love to then spin off in a nonprofit. That's, you know, my, my, you know, few year goal. But regardless... It's about giving to where you are investing. And that's what you're basically saying is how can I make this area a better place through, and it's also going to help me be more profitable. Um, It all kind of comes circles back. So it's awesome. It's wonderful. And yeah, just, just to tell you a little story, we, we usually, when, when we take a property to rehab, we usually clear out all the back alleys, the street, the corners. We try to clean everything out if there is, trash laying over we, there's like one clean sweep when we're done we clean out everything um an elderly neighbor walked over um and thanked me for doing that mm. and told me that 
you know, actually uh, the neighbor two doors down wants to sell their property. Mm. So if you're interested, I can take you to talk to them right now. So as I said, it's all, I mean, it's also profitable. Sometimes you, you know, you get some leads if you're doing a good job. <laughs> and, and if people see that you don't just care about making a quick buck and moving on. So that's, it kind of always goes hand in hand, in my opinion. Yeah, that's awesome. Pollock, we, we probably have like, you know, 25 more questions for you. So we got to, we got to schedule some more time. Um, you've been a wealth of uh, knowledge and inspiration here. Where can the ladies listening um, learn more about you, learn more about what you're up to, all the really uh, neat projects you're doing and things of that sort? Sure. So our website is openspacesrealtygroup.com. And I blog at uh, twokidsandalandlady.com. So it's T-W-O kids and a landlady.com. I love that term, landlady. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it all started. So <laughs> That's all good. And all of this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Are you ready, Pollock? I don't know. All right, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you are. All, All right. right. The first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Um, I would say Think and Grow Rich. Yes. That, uh, Liz just mentioned and reminded me. <laughs> awesome. The second one is, what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Powerful routine. Yeah. Um. I try to wake up half an hour before the rest of my family and have coffee. If mama's had coffee, everything goes well in the house. <laughs> That's all I do for the, like, the first half hour. I just want to like, have my coffee, read something, chill out, and then I feel like I'm ready to take the day. That's awesome. It's just such a great example because sometimes we, we look for harder and more complex things to to do and as you're saying a small cup of coffee is more than enough to start things the right yeah we way. used to uh, my husband and i used to wake up like an hour before the kids and listen to podcasts but if that doesn't happen half an hour before and a cup of coffee <laughs> there you go the last question is which women famous or not has inspired you the most um, I would say my mom. My mom was a single mom in India. I was an only child. She worked um, as a teacher and then she was also an entrepreneur. She sold furniture wow. on the side. She worked really hard, but she, uh, she um, instilled in me the fact that I could truly, you know, do whatever I want and be whoever I wanted in life. Beautiful. That's awesome. Pollock, thank you so much for being on our show and sharing your story with the ladies listening and our, our, our community. So thank you. And thank you for all the, Thanks. just you're, you're, you're doing some amazing work. So thank you for that because it helps all of us, the community of real estate investors kind of, you know, be, be more accepted in communities. So thank you for, for all the great work you're up to and appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of the investor community. Awesome. Thank you so much. Let's keep in touch. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. 
If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.